All right, good morning. God bless you. Glad to have you with me this morning. I hope you're ready to get into the Word and uh, see what, what the Lord would have for us this morning and what the Spirit of God would unfold for us in a way of truth. I was thinking this week about uh, a scripture that's a, a kind of a familiar scripture, that, but it really uh, produced a punch for me this week. And there were two, two words in this scripture that uh, keyed off on what I would like to talk about this morning. If I were to put a title on the, on the teaching this morning, it would probably be from that old phone commercial, uh, Can You Hear Me Now? Remember that? The guy would, would walk all over different trains and elevations, and he would always be trying to make sure that he had a good, a good signal so that he could be picked up so that people could, uh, could, could hear on their cell phones. So can you hear me now? Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 uh, says this. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. And boy, we talk a lot about that one man's offense, don't we? And, and, and the repercussions and the results of the static and the problem that one man created. <clears throat> Paul said in Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned. Then there's two little words there that that changed the whole scenario because if you just read the first part of the verse, it could be a little bit negative. For if by one man's offense, death reigned, then Paul says much more, much more, much greater than. If you, whatever, whatever measure you put on this one man's offense that created all the problem, Paul said much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, those people are going to reign in life now, today through Jesus Christ. So the, 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 the much more puts us into another dimension, puts us into another realm, and he said, much more they which receive. The word receive, again, religion, we have taken that word receive and we've turned it into something that we have to do that is kind of a work-based, kind of a work-based um, uh, thing that we have to muster up and try to make ourselves feel like we've received something. Actually, received is a very simple word. Receive is simply acknowledging what you already possess. If I were to put a, a definition on the word receive, it would be just this. It's just simply acknowledging what you already possess. So let's, let's plug that definition into that verse, and let's just see how, how it plays out. Paul said, for if by one man's offense death reigned, much more, they which acknowledge what they already possess receive the gift of righteousness, much more, they which receive the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace, acknowledge that you already possess it, those people are going to reign in life through Jesus Christ. Now, we're to reign in life, right? That's the now. I don't know how we got off onto this tangent for almost 2,000 years of trying to put everything that Jesus has done and everything that Jesus has given us, we've put it all off into the future when Paul said that when we receive abundance of grace, gift of righteousness, when we acknowledge we possess it, that we are to reign in life now today. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, now faith is. See, faith is always now. If it's not now, it's not faith. Faith receives what you already possess now. So religion has placed most of what Christ has given us into the future to be enjoyed by this little minority group of people that pray the magic prayer, that live, that live this uh, impossible life 
of keeping all the laws, the rules, regulations, and keeping the standards, those people, that little minority, are going to enjoy what Jesus has put off into the future or if we get raptured out of here. And what we've created with that mentality, we've created a lot of people today that are sitting in church, sitting in church this morning. Maybe some of you are on the digital cathedral. You've, you've stumbled your way in here by whatever means. But we've created by this futuristic putting everything off, we've created people that are disillusioned, they're discouraged, and they feel like, man, I can never hit this impossible standard. I will never get there. And I'm just living this life today, and it's a mess, and I'm, I'm hoping for the rapture. I'm hoping to somehow to get delivered out of all this. And I wish God would do something. I wish he would act. Because we got all of this hope, but it's always future. Proverbs says that hope deferred, hope that's put off into the future makes your heart sick. So whenever we just put everything that Jesus has given us off into the future, it brings discouragement. I have, I've sat and counseled and talked to I don't know how many hundreds of people that are not happy in life, and it's because nothing seems to be going on, but they're looking for something in the sweet by and by to take place that will bring them into some kind of fulfillment and happiness. Jesus said we are to reign in life now. Now here's, here's, here's one of the keys to it. We're to reign in life now through the kingdom which, re, which resides within us. So this calls for a change. The change is this. It's all about raising our level of awareness, our level of consciousness, our level of understanding the oneness that we have with the Father through the Spirit in the Son. We, we live in a kingdom that for us has supplied everything to the max level as the garden did for Adam. You know, it's been kind of a little revelation for me over the last few months to kind of understand that God provided a finished work for Adam before he ever placed him in the garden. He didn't put Adam in the garden and say, now I want you to go ahead and, and uh, make sure that you fertilize all the trees and make sure you trim all the bushes and make sure that you, you do uh, all this stuff to make sure the garden works for you. He didn't set Adam in a garden that needed Adam to complete it. Are you, are you listening to me this morning? He set Adam in the middle of a finished work that was already done, fully provided. And that's what the Father has done for us through the cross. He has set us into a kingdom that is already totally finished. He's not asking you to finish the work that he started. So we need to raise our, our level of awareness. We need to become consciously uh, uh, aware that the oneness that we have with the Father through the Son and the Spirit has placed us into a kingdom that is fully completed. In, in fact, when you look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, in Genesis 1:28, the scripture says that God said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. Now watch the wording here. And let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. I don't know how many times, I, I've probably said it myself a lot of times. In quoting that verse, I've said, and let them take dominion. He never said let them, he never said take dominion. He said, let them have dominion. There's a world of difference between having dominion, possessing it, or trying to battle your way and take dominion. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to battle for anything. God simply put them in the garden, handed the garden over to them, said, it's all yours. And so when he brings us into the kingdom today, he puts us in the kingdom and, and says, you don't have to fight for this kingdom. You don't have to battle for the kingdom. 
The kingdom already belongs to you. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Didn't say you have to fight for the kingdom. Didn't say you have to work at possessing the kingdom. The same with the Garden of Eden. God has taken us and placed us into a fully finished work in the kingdom. So the kingdom or the garden is within you and the total supply for what we need is very uh, accessible. But the problem is it's invisible. It's an invisible kingdom. But just because it's invisible doesn't make it less real or powerful than something that was visible to Adam. <clears throat> our garden is invisible. Adam's, king, Adam's garden was visible. But that doesn't mean our garden is any less, that it's any less real, that it's any less uh, plentiful, that it, that it carries any less supply than what the garden did for Adam. It, in, 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 in fact, just because it's invisible doesn't make a less real. In fact, let me say in fact again, everything that you see was made out of what you don't see. Think about that. Everything, everything visible was made out of what is invisible. Invisibility is the source of what is visible. So if there's anything that's more powerful... The invisible is more powerful, carries more authority than the visible. The visible is a result, a fruit of what is invisible. So could it just possibly be that this invisible kingdom that he has given you is more real, more powerful, and is more plenteous even than the garden, the visible garden that God set Adam into? So here's, here's, uh, here's what I'm driving at. The Spirit of God is leading us to a revelation that will teach us how to draw from the eternal out of the invisible and bring that invisible into the visible or into the seen. Now, I'm not going to be so bold to stand here and tell you that I know how to do that. But I will tell you there are things today that I understand about the kingdom that five years ago, ten years ago, I didn't understand. It was a mystery to me then. Now I see it plainly. And I'm trying to prepare your hearts. I'm, I'm trying to raise your consciousness. I'm trying to raise your level of at least perception to know that it is a mystery how to move this invisible to the visible. But when the Father pulls the veil back and we understand and we see it and, he, and the time is right that he shows us, it'll be no more difficult bringing invisible to visible than it was moving from law to grace, which was a quantum leap in itself. Coming into kingdom awareness is entirely different than living in earthly awareness. Two different dimensions, two different levels, two different planes. I think one of the keys that we have to assimilate into our life is given to us in Psalm 103 and verse 7. I want you to listen to this from Psalm 103 and verse 7. I, I, I think this is, is big. I'm, re, I'm renewing my mind to this. So you can walk with me through this, all right, in your development. Psalm 103 and verse 7. It says, He has made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. He made known his ways to Moses the, the, and his acts to the children of Israel. The acts of God are on an earthly level. The ways of God have to do with the kingdom, all right? So 
the passageway that we're coming through, that we're in right now, this passageway of grace, the finished work of the cross, unconditional love, is opening our eyes to a greater, more complete sense, listen, of his ways. I want to talk a little bit more about his ways versus his acts. Because his ways connect us to the tree of life. His ways connect us to an eternal source. His acts connect us to an earthly source. And the difference between the acts and the ways is this. God's supply is eternal. His ways are eternal. Uh, um, and when we, when we tap into the ways of God, it's like tapping into the bank. Tapping into the acts of God is like getting a check. When you spend the check, you need more. But when you have a way of God and you've tapped into the eternal source, then you don't worry about when the check is spent because there's plenty more where that came from. So God's bringing us into an awareness, I believe. He's bringing us into an understanding that we are moving into a revelation of his ways over his acts. Now that's not where, where we have lived most of our life. We have lived most of our life chasing down the acts of God, wanting God to act, wanting God to move, wanting God to do, wanting God to come meet our need. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, one of the most familiar verses of Scripture to any Christian, and you, probably one of the first verses that you ever learned, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote it like, like most of us say it. Philippians 4, 19 says, For my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you know that verse? All right, most of us know that verse. We've heard that verse. Most, uh, my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Problem is, I just misquoted that verse. The verse does not say that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, My God shall meet all of your need. Singular. We always quote it plural. My God shall meet all of your needs. Plural. The verse says singular versus plural. So what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about taking from what you can't see to supply your need. Notice not needs, but need. There's only one need that you have. There's only one need that you have. The need that you have is to be connected to his supply. You need to be connected to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Once we make that connection, once we walk in that level of awareness... Once we walk in that place of consciousness, then that, that need that is met, that connection will then take care of needs. So I'm saying we need to change the way we think right now. And my challenge come this morning is that we need to change, once again, we need to change the way we think. We need to change the level of our consciousness because we have been, as I said just a minute ago, we've been like the children of Israel most of our lives chasing after his acts, we want him to do something. We want him to move. We want to pray and, and get his hand to lift and take something from off of us or supply us with something. The ways of God says that he has already done all that he's going to do. His ways, his ways have already been established eternally. He's not going to do more than what he's already done, all right? 
Now that raises havoc. When you say that the ways of God are already eternally established, he's not going to do more than he's already done. That raises havoc with people that are waiting and begging and pleading for him to act. They think God's going to create this act and do something that he's never done before. And when you're waiting for him to act, you're being tossed around that entire time by the world of effects. You, you're, you're net, when you're tossed around by the world of effects, you know what the world of effects is? The world of effects is what you see, what you hear, what you perceive, what you understand. The world of effects, we look at the results of something. That, that's an effect. So we're all the time all the time trying to negate these effects that come to us by getting God to act to neutralize the effects. So all of your life you're living not based on the ways of God. You're based on, you're living based on his acts trying to do something about the effects that you're going through. And God says, I'm not working that way. So you're naturally looking for God to do something to act to change what you see. You're, you're getting God to want to act to change the negative effect that you're experiencing. Now, Jesus, Jesus uh, didn't live that way. In John chapter 6, let's, let's look at just a couple of verses. John chapter 6 and verse 26. John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, <clears throat> you seek me not because you saw the signs. Now, the signs were a revelation or an insight into the ways that God does things. He said, you weren't seeking me because of the signs. You weren't looking for how this all works. He said, you were seeking me because you ate the loaves and were filled. You were seeking me for the acts, for the effects. You like that effect of having a full belly. You, you, weren't even, you weren't concerned or thinking at all about the ways of God that produced that miraculously. He said that you weren't looking at that. All you're looking at was a temporary relief to get my belly filled. Isn't that how we live? God, just come, God, just get me out of this mess right now. We're not, we're not thinking on a higher level, higher dimension. We're not changing our consciousness. All we're wanting is relief from the present situation, from the world of effects that we live in. And Jesus said, you know what, man, you're missing it. If you, if you would seek me to find out how the Father does this, move into the kingdom, learn to live in the garden, you'd have all the bread you wanted all the time, but that's not what you were looking for. He goes on in verse 27 and says, don't labor for the food which perishes. Don't labor for the effects. Don't be concerned about the effects. He said, you need to look for the food that endures to eternal life. Find the way. Move into the way of this. The Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set a seal on him. Then just uh, two chapters earlier, he comes and says much the same thing, but gives even a deeper clue, I think, in moving into the ways of God over pursuing the acts of God. In John chapter, in John chapter 4 and verse 32. Now, some of you, you're going to have to listen to this two or three times to get this down, all right? So don't feel bad if you have to go back and listen to the video from the Sunday morning digital cathedral. You, you need to let this stuff settle in. Jesus gives us a little bit more insight in John chapter 4, verse 24. 
He said, uh, God is spirit. Those who worship him in uh, spirit, worship him in spirit and truth. All right, down to verse 32. Jesus said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. That's the ways of God. Jesus said, I got something to eat. He said, I have, I have things that you're not even aware of. That's the ways of God. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has any guy, anybody got, brought this guy a Big Mac? Anybody brought him a, a, any food? Anybody, did someone slip him a Subway? In other words, they're saying, look at the acts. Let's, the results. That, did anybody bring him food? And Jesus isn't talking about food. He's talking about not the effects, the, the, the acts. He's talking about a way here. He said, I got things to tell you. I've got food to eat that you don't even know about. Verse, verse 34, this is where they were hung up. And then in Jesus said, my food, now listen to this, my food, this source that doesn't run out, the thing that fills me, the thing that supplies me, my food, verse 34, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. So what, what is this food that doesn't perish? What was, this, what was this thing that Jesus tapped into? What was this way that Jesus was talking about? I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was the communion with the Father that he spent time with that began to make him more consciously aware of his oneness with the Father. He, he, he came into a place in life where his, he was one with the source. When the consciousness arises to being one with the source, buddy, you have just hooked into the eternal supply. And no longer are you worried about the sandwich because now you're in the bakery. You understand what I'm saying? It was the communion with the Father. It's, it's, it's the kingdom of God. This, this moved Jesus from seeking the acts of God. Jesus was never seeking the acts of God. He always was tuned into the way that God wanted something to be done. And he was working from what you could not see to benefit an area that you could see. Jesus never started with what you could see. Jesus started with what you can't see. Took five loaves, two fish, fed a multitude. All right? he, brought, he brought into a visible realm what you could see from what you can't see. His healing, everything that Jesus did, he produced in a, in, a, in a real world from an invisible world. From what we would say, that's an unreal world, which is an invisible world. He brought it into a visible world. So it's, it's the tree of life versus the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Or it's the natural versus the kingdom. Or the acts of God versus the ways of God. Wanting God to act, listen to me. Okay, look here. Wanting God to act is Old Covenant. That's all, that was the characteristic of the Old Covenant. Always wanting God to act. Wanting God to come. Wanting God to meet the need. Being conscious of His ways, of what He's done, of what He's established. That's New Covenant. So we need to, we need to we, here again, we need to renew our minds. We need to raise our level of consciousness out of Old Covenant ways, or Old Covenant acts, and move into this new dimension of understanding his ways. Because we've, we've chased his acts. And we've, we've bred this into people. 
The entire charismatic movement was about using the power of God to get him to do something to act. You know, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the gifts, the prophetic, the deliverance were all attempts to get God to do something for us. It was an attempt to use the power of God and then use that power of God. We'd pray in tongues real hard. You know, we, we, would, we would do whatever we do to get God to move, to invoke his acts. What's going on now in this, in this generation, the power of God is using the Holy Spirit now to unveil to us and show us what his ways are. So we're going we're gonna to start walking into a different place. And it may be, and you know what? The timing of it may be because the natural world is changing. What, what if we enter into to a place, and I'm not prophesying it, I'm not saying it would be, but I'm saying he's preparing us to be able to have our needs met by tapping into the, 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 the need that we have, which is eternal supply, so that regardless of what goes on in the natural world, you know what? We walk above it. doesn't matter if, if ground beef goes to $20 a pound. He will meet the need as we hook into the eternal supply. You understand? So it's a, it's a needful time that we come in to this place, into a, another realm, into another dimension. So what was the difference in Jesus and us? It was the mindset that Jesus had that of my own self, I can't do anything. I, my need, Jesus was saying, my need is to tap into the source and out of that source will come the meeting of my needs according to the bank, the riches that he has in glory. So when we live out of the kingdom, we see that God alone is the one power, the one source, the one mind, the one presence, and we see that Christ is our life. Here's what I'm saying. Everything that came out of God came out of spirit. He is spirit. So everything that emanates out of him, obviously then, is going to come by way of spirit. So we've got to be able to listen long enough in spirit to hear his voice, which will come spirit to spirit. And that which he speaks to us by spirit to spirit, that word will not return void. But will, whatever he says, whatever he speaks to us by spirit, whatever he says, whatever the need is, the supply will come from the riches of glory, spirit by spirit, right? <clears throat> so in case you haven't caught it yet, where I'm going in this is that you and I have got to learn to hear God for ourselves. We've got to learn to hear him for ourselves. Right? He speaks all the time. He's always speaking. He's always ministering. He's always talking. Father's a real chatterbox. Thing is, we got to learn to tune into it. So everything I've set up to this time is just kind of a preference, uh, a preface to get you to say, you know what? If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if God's gonna meet all of my need, which is one, I've got to learn to hear what He's saying to me. That needs will be met. I can't, I can't beg, plead. I can't try to, to force him by fasting or praying loud in tongues. I can't get him to try to act. He's already done all that he's going to do. All right? Now, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. This is your right. Colossians chapter 1 
God's moving us. God's maturing us. God's taking us uh, into adulthood. In, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us. He's the qualifier to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. You have an inheritance. What I'm talking about is your inheritance. And an inheritance is to be enjoyed while you're living. It's not to be put off for the sweet by and by, not waiting for the rapture to get your inheritance. He has qualified you to be a partaker of an inheritance now. Then in verse 13, he ties into that, and he says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness, and he has conveyed or translated us into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Now, I, have, I've, I teach a lot out of Colossians 1.13. I love that verse because it's, it's like, you know, this and then this. It's like, wow, we've been moved, and we have. He's, he's, he's telling us in verse 12, however, that that supply of the inheritance belongs to you. Then in verse 13, he sets you up and says, you know what? I've put you in the kingdom, verse 13, in the kingdom of God's dear son to enjoy the inheritance, verse 12, that I've already deposited into you. And he said, anything of darkness, anything that would be classified as sin, darkness, death, lack, physical, emotional, financial need, he said, I have delivered you out of. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Everything that is involved in the power of darkness Lack, need, sickness, uh, 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 whatever it is, death, sin. He said, I've, I've taken all of that off of you. I've taken that off of you. And I've put you in the kingdom of the Son to enjoy an inheritance. <clears throat> now, you've got to have to open up your consciousness, he says. You're, you need to change perceptions and awareness to understand what I'm doing here. Now, if he's delivered us from the power of darkness then those things have no power over us. If they have no power over us, then we need to stop contemplating the power that we give them to enable them to have an effect on us because the effect they have on us is keeping us from meeting the one need we have, which is hooking into eternal supply. All of those things negate within our minds our ability to walk in a level that we haven't walked, <clears throat> to see a manifestation in the visible from the invisible resource, the inheritance that belongs to us. So we're going to have to listen long enough for him to speak a word to our spirit that will provide and produce what we need, what we can see or experience then we need to continue to renew our Christ as us mind, raise our awareness to this mind of Christ that we have now. And as we raise that awareness to what we have now, we will see that we have been delivered from all that would negate, neutralize, or steal from us what the deliverance into the kingdom of God's dear Son has provided for us. All right, let's all agree to something this morning. Let's all agree that God speaks continually. Bible opens up in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 with God speaking. And the scripture ends in Revelation chapter 22:20 20 with Jesus speaking. 
So all, all of the books of the Bible, all the verses of the Bible, all the chapters of the Bible, everything in between has one, has one purpose. It's all designed for the Holy Spirit to speak to you to one end, to this revelation. Right? This, this ties in. I'm helping us. We're walking this thing step by step because I'm, I'm telling you something. God is going to begin to show us how to bring to the visible from the invisible. We're going to have to start, we're going to have to continue to see different. We're, we're in a growth pattern. We're in a growth process. Everything in the scripture is designed for one purpose. From Genesis 1-3 where God speaks to the end of the, end of the Bible in Revelation where Jesus is speaking. It's to bring one revelation and that is this. To know that he loves you unconditionally. That he loves and embraces all humanity. And that the image and the likeness that he has stamped on your life has brought you into his very life and that he will never ever say anything contrary to that. So any teaching, any sermon, any pastor's message, any thought that comes into your mind that is contrary to that is not a God sourced. It's not from spirit to spirit. If for some reason we don't renew our minds to this, then you know what we're going to do? We're going to go back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to try to find out what we should do and what we shouldn't do. We're going to try to get God to act to meet our temporary need when he's trying to say, over here to the other tree. Come over to this other tree. If you're going to fast, fast the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Come over here and eat all you want at the tree of life, which is going to put you in touch with an eternal source. This will meet your need. This will plug up what you think you should have at any given time. I'm more willing to give it than you are to receive it, but you've got to get off of this other tree over here that has kept you chasing my axe. It's you trying to get me to do what I've said I've already accomplished and done. You need to come into my ways and get off of my axe. <clears throat> that whole world of axe, that whole world of effect, brings a filter and a distortion and a state uh, that creates static of the HGF. You know what HGF is? Holy Ghost frequency. All of that stuff, all of that, all of that world of effect. <clears throat> See, when you walk through garbage in life, most of it you create yourself. Can, can you agree with that? You know, whatever man sows, he reaps. Wages of sin is death. God's not punishing your mess-ups. There is within the mess-up the seed of the repercussion itself. All that stuff creates static. All of that stuff creates static to where you can't hear Holy Ghost frequency and Holy Ghost frequency is leading you in ways and when you don't hear Holy Ghost frequency, that's when you start wanting God to act. You know, the world of how things appear, how they sound, how they feel. Those are the effects. And those effects drive us in circles. And we spend all our life trying to put out the fires of the effects. We want God to come work with us and help us put out all these effects. We want him to come and do something for us. We're saying, you know, we're rec we, we're, we've, we've empowered all this junk that has no power. And we, we, don't, we know it's not a, as great a power as God. So we, we're down praying, God, we know you're the greater power. Would you, would you great power come and defeat these lesser powers? God says, I'm not going to do it. 
I've already defeated all those powers. And if you get off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'd quit empowering that which has no power. You know, filters we hear through that stop us hearing from the Spirit of God. Man established doctrines and beliefs. They slant and distort the voice that God is speaking. They limit how God can speak. You know, we, we think, well, you know, um, God can only speak through the Bible. Some of you have been taught that. Well, God can, only, God can only speak through a prophet. Or God's only going to speak through my covering. You know, if, if my pastor doesn't tell me, if it doesn't come from the denominational headquarters, then it must not be God. If I hear something that they don't agree with, then I'm not hearing God. You know what you've done? You've just cut the flow of God speaking continuously. He is always talking, but we're listening through filters. He's always speaking to teach us his ways, but the filters are trying to put us back to where we become dependent on his acts. Jesus was never dependent on his acts. Jesus was tapped into his ways. His ways are always no separation, no distance, no delay. So there are things that we encounter that we've come through our, in, our, in our religious upbringing, our religious tuning, doctrines, you know, faulty ideas of how God's going to speak, limiting how he speaks, that have created filters through which we hear. Now there's also things that will enhance the Holy Ghost frequency. There are things that will sharpen your ability to hear. Let me give you a couple. When love becomes your only motivation, you know what? That makes you like the Father. You hear better. Knowing no man after the flesh. Developing an awareness of your oneness with the Father. A heart that's set on things above. All those things enhance and increase your ability to hear. So you don't need to just get rid of bad filters. You don't, you don't need to get rid of just the effects, the world of effects or or the, the, the convoluted doctrines and teachings that you've heard. Not just, it's not just disbanding those. It is also replacing the bad filters with the good filters. If you're not willing to hear what he's saying, then you're going to live on stale bread, and you're going to go back to what he said rather than what he is saying. Let me, let me, let me be specific. When you get a word by the Spirit to your spirit, it can change your marriage, your children, your job, your health, and your world in an instant. You need, you need to get that word for you. You can get it if you believe that he's always speaking and you always have a receptive spirit within. The word that he speaks, which is an invisible spirit world, will produce for you visible results. You hear it and you put it into play. And when you put it into play, it becomes visible. So rather than for you spending hours on your knees begging God to do something in your business, if you say, God, I don't need you to act, what I need to find out is what your way is in this, and what he says to you, then you act. And when you act on what he has said, it produces visible results. Ah, now do you understand why the communion that Jesus said is bread to eat, food to eat, you don't know anything about? 
Now do you understand why Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing? I only say what I hear the Father say? He was tapped into the ways. He wasn't over here begging and pleading, God, we got a mess on our hands. You need to do something. He got quiet. He communed with the Father. When the Father spoke to him, he acted. And when he acted, when he put the mud on the, on the blind man's eyes, the Spirit said, this is the way to do it. When he did that, the visible result came from the invisible. Can, can, come on, you can get that, can't you? So it's not spending time wanting God to act, saying, God, you need to help me, need to do something, get me out of this, provide a way. Uh, no, it's learning to tap into his ways, which comes from, Jesus said, the bread that the disciples didn't know about, which was the communion, the oneness, the intimacy with the Father. All right, so let, let's again, let's renew our minds. Some very simple truth that God is always talking. You don't have to beg him to say something. He's always talking continually to you. And the word that he speaks will provide and produce what he said it would provide when he speaks it to you. All right, one other thing that you need to know that goes along with this. God's grace is actively working for everybody. All right? God is always speaking. God is always talking. God is always conveying. He's not, he's not telling us how he's going to act. He's telling us his ways by spirit. So now you can be the one that acts. He speaks, you act. It's not we speak and God acts. <laughs> we got that bass backwards, don't we? We're wanting to do all the talking and then, God, you do the acting. God's saying, no, 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 no. That's not my way. My way is I do the talking. And I tell you how to act. And when you act, you will pull into the visible from the invisible. And God's saying, your problem is you're talking so much you can't hear. You're, you're, you're spending so much time begging me to do something that you can't hear what I'm telling you to do. You're not looking at what I'm doing and emulating what I'm doing. You're spending too much time on the acts. We said, I'm trying to get you to waste. All right, so God's always speaking. We're renewing our mind that God's always talking. We don't have to ask him, Lord, oh, Jesus, please, Father, say a word to me. Speak to me. No, he's always speaking. Now, I want to hook that up with the idea that his grace is actively working for everybody. He's no respecter of people. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, <clears throat> he said that he causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. He lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust. Those are all acts of grace. His grace is, you, that really bugs you, doesn't it, some of you? That his grace is flowing to unjust people. That his grace is even going to people that haven't done all that you've done to be the righteous person you are. His grace works for everybody. What he does for one, he does for all. He's done everything for all of us through the cross and the resurrection. Again, renew your mind to that simple element and that will eliminate the imaginations that come to you that somehow you're the exception that God's grace isn't working in your life because of the effects that you're seeing going on around you. You look at somebody and say, well, he did it for so-and-so, but he doesn't seem to be doing it for me. Do you know why it appears he's not doing it for you? Because you're living in a world of effects and you're wanting God to act. 
His grace works continually for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're now at a, at a maturity level where you're going to have to get a word yourself and then act on the word. And when you act on the word for that business, it will produce what the word that was sent to you said it would. His word never returns void. My dilemma is shutting myself down of my ways, trying to get him to act to conform to what I think should be done so that I now, like Jesus, can hear what he said and only do what he said. And once he says, then I do, regardless of how crazy it looks. Looks pretty crazy to put mud on a blind man's eyes, doesn't it? Looks pretty crazy to take five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude. Looks pretty crazy to walk out on waves. Do you know why you walk on water? Because he didn't tell you to. He didn't speak that word to you. So you look at Jesus and, well, if Jesus did it, I should be able to do it. Oh, if he speaks to you, you will. Didn't Peter? Jesus said, come on, Pete, get out of the boat. And he did. But when he put his eyes on the world of effects, he sank. That's a good revelation right there. It's a good revelation right there. All right. He, did, he did it for all of us. So don't think that you're the exception to the rule. Don't think that for somehow God's grace works for some, and what I'm teaching you works for some. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says that he has given to every man the measure of faith. His favor is actively at work in all of us. It's moving us from just anticipating and hoping and praying. It's moving us into the realization and the manifestation. No longer, no longer does this guy just hold, I used to be just a hoping and a praying. Just a hoping and a praying. Something might take place. You know what the measure of faith is that he's given to you? Wow, this was a bomb that dropped on me this week. The measure of faith that you have is the exact measure that Jesus had when he walked the earth as a man. You have the same measure of faith that Jesus had. That measure will stop the weariness of trying to merit, trying to earn, trying to get God to move. Again, faith, faith is not something you build up. Faith is a confident expectation that what God promised is done. That's what faith is. Faith, faith doesn't make you do a certain thing. Faith allows you to stand back and say, you know what? I don't have to merit, earn, or try to get God to do more. I'm in confident. My faith puts me in a confident place of Knowing that what God said is done. See, knowing that the word he sends, he performs it. So when you come into that place, then here's what happens. You, you come into a place of rest and intimacy that makes his voice clear, right? That makes his life flow naturally. Makes his love real. You can never be outside the grace of God and operate freely 
if you think you're outside of God's grace, you'll never operate in his confidence and, and, and in his boldness. Receptivity to his grace in order to live in the kingdom of God and have the communion that frees us is the meat to eat that Jesus said, you don't know the food that I have. And that's what moves us into the abundance of the unseen. All right, I'm done for this morning. I want you to hear what the book of Revelation says, and this is how we live. Book of Revelation says, we hear what the Spirit saith. All right? You know that you know that you know. Number one, that he's always speaking. And number two, that his grace is working equally in all of us to deliver to us the Colossians 1.12 inheritance, Knowing that Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness, every distraction, every pull, every effect, and he's placed us in this finished work of the kingdom that is just as finished as the garden that God put Adam into, completely done. We understand that Jesus always, without exception, responded to needs with a word to the person and the grace that brought it to pass. He's doing the same for you. So this morning, let's just renew our minds to it. Let's raise our consciousness and say, be it done unto me according to your word. Amen. God bless. We'll see you Wednesday night. Listen to this again and pick up all you can pick up out of it. And we'll see you next Sunday morning at the Digital Cathedral.